0: how we went from blackout drunk six nights a week to becoming a top podcaster and motivational speaker, how to learn how to love yourself, how to change jobs and change industries successfully, the five people that you need in your life and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 512 with entrepreneur, speaker, and host of the top rated podcast, The Growth Now Movement, Justin Shank. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, your host, Nick Carrier. At Best You, we exist to help individuals who are hungry for growth get closer to the best version of themselves so that they can live meaningful and impactful lives. Throughout the summer, I've been running Instagram Live workouts that people have been loving, and I would love for you to join as well. If you want a quick, effective, and high-energy workout, then sign up for free at nickcarrier.com slash Instagram Live. We rotate every single week from lower body, upper body, and core workouts that are going to have you looking and feeling your best. And my favorite part is that these workouts are building up to something big. We at Best You have been working on building something out so that we can reach more people who don't live in Nashville, and we're going to be announcing it on June 26th. So if you're somebody who would like to work out with me, but you don't live in Nashville, then keep listening to the podcast and get ready for the announcement coming soon. In the meantime, join me for a free workout on Instagram Live and sign up at nickcarrier.com slash Instagram Live. Again, nickcarrier.com slash Instagram Live. Today, I am so pumped to introduce y'all to Justin Shank. I had the pleasure and the opportunity to meet Justin a few months back at Amberly Lago's event, and I feel so lucky to have met him. I mean, he made me feel so comfortable the moment that I got there. He made me feel like a friend. He truly connected with me on a deep level, and I feel so grateful for him and his speech to the entire crowd y'all was so good it left people feeling emotional it left them feeling inspired and i knew i had to bring him on the show justin's an entrepreneur speaker and host of the top rated podcast the growth now movement he's been named a top eight podcaster to follow by inc magazine he's been featured in thrive global and chosen as an icon of influence in the new media space but it wasn't always like this for justin He starts off the episode talking about all the issues that his parents went through, his darkest moments in his life, and how he was able to work himself out of it. So buckle up. Without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Justin Shank. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. Today, I am super stoked to be joined by the one and only Justin Shank. Justin, just want to start off by saying appreciate you spending time with me today, bro.
1: Nick, I'm excited about this, dude. You and I hit it off almost immediately at Amber Lee's event. Uh, and I was like, this is a guy who's going to be a friend and somebody who stay connected. So honored to be here. And uh, as I always say, hopefully I say one or two things that inspires or makes sense to your audience. That's always the goal.
0: Yeah, man. Well, after listening and watching your speech at Amberley's event, I know that there is, uh, that is inevitably going to be true, no doubt. So really pumped today. And yeah, man, likewise, I felt like you, you were one of the people who made me feel most comfortable and most welcomed at Amberley's event. Um, Not that other people didn't, you were just very warm and receptive. And like, I could tell that, um, I was going to love to get to know you even further. So really appreciate you being here today. Um, today, I want to start off by going back into a little bit of kind of your story. And I know that you you talk a little bit about how your upbringing was not necessarily the most ideal type of upbringing. Your parents loved you and, and everything, but your mom battled opi- opioids for 20 years. Your dad went to jail one time and then right before you had started your podcast in 2016, Your mom passed away and that really hit you hard and that really rocked you and and rocked your world and you had a few months where you just were kind of spiraling out of control and then you kind of found your way out of that with kind of starting the podcast and everything like that. So I want to go back into that three-month bender where you were really spiraling out of control and what was the impetus to start navigating yourself out of that?
1: Yeah, man. So I'll, I'm going to go back a little bit further just to kind of give context to this yeah. time frame and, and kind of why I was set up to be able to get myself out of that rock, what I call my rock bottom moment. And so, um, you know, I started the self-development journey when I was 19 years old. I was in direct sales uh, because obviously when you have a 1.7 GPA in high school, college is, college is not your future. And got into direct sales. Uh, and fell in love with entrepreneurship and freedom and making my own schedule and making my own money and earning it. Uh, But most importantly, I had a mentor in that job who handed me a book. And that book was called Who Moved My Cheese. Really quick read, 45 minutes. It was the greatest introduction for me because I was never a big reader. Uh, And so I read the book. And the book essentially is about how things are going to change around you. And you have no no control over that. But what you have control over is how you react to that change. Uh, And obviously, it spoke to me Right, growing up with a mom who was an addict and a dad who was in jail at at a time, um, it really kind of opened my eyes to the reality that I could create a life that's different for me than what my parents were. And so I, for many, many years, chased entrepreneurship, chased the American dream, tried to build a fortune, tried to get the house, the car, the girl, all the things that society said I should get. And I failed miserably multiple times. Uh, I had three failed official businesses and then a couple of side hustles that didn't make sense and uh, was doing well in the corporate world, but always had this sense of like, hey, you know, let me become an entrepreneur. So I was gonna launch the podcast so I can interview entrepreneurs and pick their brain and figure out what am I doing wrong and how can I be better? Uh, And as you mentioned, three months before I launched the show, my mom uh, uh, passed away from her battle with opioids. And I went on a three month bender where I was literally blackout drunk six nights a week, like went out and then woke up in my bed. Like, don't remember how I got back into my bed, Thank God, you know, I didn't kill anybody or kill myself, you know, during this time. But what I was doing was I was I was numbing the pain. Right. And so growing up the way that I did and and understanding self-development, I was always very, very, very self-aware. Like I I started to become self-aware at the age of like 14 just because of the household that I was living in. And so I knew what I was doing. Like I knew that I was just numbing the pain. I didn't want to feel what I what I should have felt. Um, because my mom, although she had her issues, was my biggest supporter. Like I was a total mama's boy. She was a great mom. Um, and so you know, on the flip side, I, I I was aware of what I was doing. But I also was paying a coach at the time, who she was actually a spiritual and relationship coach. Mm-hmm. And the one day she called me out of the blue, and I answered, and she goes, "What are you doing tonight?" And I said, "Well, I'm going out with some buddies." And she goes, no, you're not. She said, you're going to sit and you're going to feel this. And uh, I was like, okay. And she challenged me to do that. And it was probably the hardest night of my life to feel all of those emotions come crashing down. Not only the passing of my mom, but then the three months of numbing it all came flooding in at one time. Um, When I woke up the next morning, I had this great weight list list, like lifted off of my shoulders. And I was like, okay, like there's an awakening here in a sense And I realized two things. One, I realized that my mom didn't die because she was an addict. My mom died because she didn't love herself. And then the second realization was my aha moment of, I don't love myself either. And so I really went on a journey from there of how do you find love? And if you go into probably the first year of my podcast, I asked almost every single guest, what is self-love and how did you find it? Because I was trying to figure that out on my own. And so it was really a compound effect of all the work that I had done from 19 to 30, uh, along with self-awareness. And then, then of course, a great support system with my coach that I had at the time um, that I was able to kind of come out of that and and have have an eye-opening moment. And that whole idea of like life is happening for me and not to me and getting out of that victim mindset.
0: Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing all that context and, and going in depth there. Now, when you said that you came to the realization that your mom didn't love herself and that you didn't love yourself and you were trying to figure out what self-love looks like, what what did you kind of come up to? Like, what do you kind of define as self-love slash how do you act upon achieving it and sustaining it?
1: Yeah. You know, self-love is is really accepting yourself in the moment exactly where you are Uh, and understanding that you're not defined by moments. You're not defined by who you are right now, but you're defined by the the, the growth that you're able to create in your life and the actions that you take, right? And so um, it was a long battle for me to really figure out how to love myself. Um, and really, honestly, loving yourself is putting yourself first. Now, as entrepreneurs who are impact-driven, and you know this, like we very often drain ourselves wholly trying to help other people. Like, that's what we do. Like, we feel we feel like that's filling us up, but the reality is it's it's draining us. Um, but if we're able to take care of ourselves, if we're able to say no to people who are draining us, if we're able to say no to the things that aren't serving us, that's really the beginning of self-love. And so once you own that and you live in that space, you can continue to love yourself. Um, and I'm not saying that I think I'm great, that I'm the best, that I'm the the most amazing gift to the world, but I'm the most amazing gift to myself because I'm all I have. You know, and mm-hmm. I said, when I spoke at Amberley's event, like I'm married now and I'm super grateful for this relationship that I never thought that I would have. But the reality is if this this relationship ended for whatever reason tomorrow, which it won't, I, I fully see us being old people together and you know, all those things. but uh, I, I'll be fine. And I realize that I'm no longer attached to outside circumstances. So that's the beauty of self-love, right? The things around me that I've been able to build, the success in business, the success in my love relationships, the success of my podcast, um, I'm not attached to that. That is no longer who I am. it's It's what I do, um, but it's no longer who I am. and And that serves me at such a high level to not have that attachment to to and really realize that I don't need all of these things. Um, and so that's that for me is self-love. but the the blurry part about self-love is it's different for everybody. The journey is different for everybody. And so that's why it's so hard for people to unlock because it's such a unique journey for every single person.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. I love what you said right there. I'm the most amazing. It's not that I am this amazing gift to the world and the best person ever. Self love isn't com- isn't coming from a place of that. It's coming from a place of I'm the m- most amazing gift to myself because I'm all that I have, and that's so true. Like I think oftentimes we wish somebody could do it for us. Somebody could save us. It's like nobody's coming for you, bro. Like you've got to be able to buck up and and figure it out yourself. So I love that. And then look and like you said, so many people who pride themselves on being selfless and givers and and there for others and supporters of others and, encourage, and an encourager of others, don't fill themselves up at first. And I know me personally, the clientele that I work with that so frequently does that is moms. I work with so many moms who don't prioritize their own health and fitness because they are trying to do everything for their kids. They're trying to be super mom. and oftentimes they are doing so many amazing things and they're taking their kids to work. maybe they ha- they have a part time job. Maybe they're cooking dinner and making their lunches, and then they get to the end of the day and they're exhausted and they rinse and repeat and they never exercise or eat healthy themselves. And so all of you guys out there don't take too much pride on being super, super selfless. Like you've got to make sure that uh, you take care of yourself first. Now, next thing I kind of want to get into is a little bit more from a career standpoint because I kind of went into your background a little bit. You were like you said, in kind of the corporate world a little bit, and maybe you had some of these uh, business ventures that didn't work out, but I know that you were a sales recruiter for about four and a half years. Then you worked for another company for five years where you're like a manager at a place that helped to deliver respiratory care in people's homes. And so you kind of had this like nine and a half year career that was not even close to really what you're doing now. Now you're a podcaster, a speaker, so talk to me a little bit about what it took from you to kind of have the courage to pivot from kind of career lane from the the corporate world, nine to five world, if you will, to like, I'm going to go be a podcaster and a speaker. Like, where the hell does that come from? <laughs> so I think you're the first person to ever bring up
1: my staffing industry uh, experience <laughs> uh, on a podcast. You know, it's... Um, so first of all, every single... Twitter but I think it's a, the reason
0: The reason why I bring it up, you know, the reason why I bring it up is because I think a lot of people listening have feelings that I'm in this career. And so that's the only career that I can ever be in. That's the only industry that I can ever be in. But I want to like, I'm using you as the example of like, that doesn't have to be the case. Like just because you have been in this lane for so long, doesn't mean that you can't step into another lane at some point. if If you feel like it's the right move. So anyways, I'll let you go.
1: No, yeah, and and so the, so I'm glad you said that. So I'll, I'll backtrack here a second. The reality is, I always had a vision of wanting to speak on stages, uh, wanting to inspire, wanting to help individuals become who they're meant to be, uh, and and I always I use that term a lot, like who you're meant to be, who the who you're destined to be in this world, like those types of things, because I think often in the space that we're in and self development in some way, shape, or form people are telling you who you should be versus like, well, who do you want to be? And then here's a here's a steps to be able to kind of get there. And so I always knew I wanted that. And so I made sure that in these jobs that I had or these careers that I had, that I was taking the tools and learning different tools and, and taking them into what I do now. So I got introduced to public speaking when I was 19, when I was in that direct sales company. And I did very, very well in that organization, became a manager. I would speak at regional events and i was like, I really love this, but I wish it was more motivational versus instructional and you know, all these things. So I would pay attention to like, what do I love? What do I not love? And, uh, and obviously sales are important, right? Like any company or any job that you have, you need to learn sales and managing of people and managing of yourself, I think is the most important thing. So the yeah, the respiratory job was the medical sales and medical sales management that I did and, um, was able to grow that organization and learned a ton about business and understanding EBITDA, which I, I didn't even know what that was before. Like you know, <laughs> profits versus just money coming in and money going out and all the things in between. And so I took every single thing that I learned in these jobs and and I still implement, implement a lot of them today, which leads to the success. Now the podcast thing was a, was a fluke. And so I always say to people, I'm like, look, you have a, a, an amazing message because everybody has a story that needs to be heard. I really believe that. Um, but you have to find your vehicle in order to get it out there. Um, you know, I thought maybe a book one day, or I thought maybe something right. Like getting on TV and sharing my message. I didn't know, uh, A $60 microphone that I bought seven years ago happened to be my vehicle. Now, obviously, I bought it for a different reason, um, but then I allowed the universe to unfold and kind of show me where does this go for me, right? Um, And so I was fortunate enough that the podcast took off, but the reality was I listened to one podcast before uh, and I was like, I think I could do this. I probably could do this a little bit better than the person I was listening to. I won't share who it was. He's still around today. Um, But I was like, I think I could do it better than this person. I was like, let's give it a whirl. And I bought a $70 course online on how to record and edit and upload. Uh, and I started to put in the work. And here's where most people miss in the journey, right? They they don't actually feel like they're stuck in the career, or the lane that they're in. What they're worried about is the, they have a fear of what could happen if they leave that lane. Um, but the reality was I was so excited to leave that lane. Um, that nothing was going to stop me, and so I, I, you know, the podcast started on the side. I mean, I was podcasting for two years while working in in a corporate job, um, and so sometimes you got to put in the work and put in the hours and start to hone your craft. And I was the one of the worst podcast interviewers in, in the beginning, like the worst. And now I have people recognize me as some of the best interviewers in the world. Uh, which blows my mind. But honestly, it's not because I'm great. It's because of repetition. That's because I've been doing it for so long. And so the first thing is if somebody's worried about getting out of their lane, like give it a try. Like even if it's on the side, like give it a try and go all in uh, and commit to yourself. I always say in the podcast space, commit to 52 episodes. Like it's no longer a seven episode game or a two month game or eight month game. It's a year, like commit yourself to a year and see what happens and see what doors unlock. And for me, you know, stepping out of that corporate world and into the entrepreneurial space gave me opportunity. Uh, And then I said, yes, to opportunity, and not everything has worked out. I've, I've, had multiple partnerships that have failed and I've had businesses that have failed since I've grown some successful businesses but um it was always like the answer is yes and I'll share this story really quick um about a year and a half in year and a half into the podcast game I was already recognized by Inc magazine as a top 8 podcast every entrepreneur should follow the show had blown up but my business was not doing well like I was trying to make money on the side but I'm like I can't leave my job yet I'm not making enough right And so I was still working in the corporate world and I got asked to speak in an event uh, down in Florida. Now, this is before I got paid to speak. So like I had to pay my way, I had to pay for my hotel, I had to do all these things. Um, And I said yes to the event, it was a number of months out. And then I would say about a month before I was going down to Florida, I got fired from my last job. And Mm -hmm. I literally had a moment where I had two choices. One was pay my rent because I was making good money, but I also spent a lot of money because I was a bachelor and enjoying my life. Uh, so I, I, was either a pay my rent or B go down to Florida and speak at this event and see what could happen. And so flew down to this event, spoke at the event, the one night, all the speakers went out for drinks and we were sitting around a table. Now, keep in mind, I had no idea if my credit card was going to go through for, for the hotel room, let alone anything else while I was there. And we were all sitting around for a drink and a guy named Mike Kim was sitting to the left of me and Mike ordered a $60 glass of scotch. And the waitress went around the table and every single speaker said, I'll have the same thing. I was the last one and I gulped and I said, I'll have the same thing as well, right? You feel, I felt like I had to like fit in, like I wasn't getting water. So I ordered the drink. Waitress comes back. I'm sweating, right? Like after about an hour of speaking with Mike and learning from him, I'm sweating like, oh God, can we please just get out of here? Mike goes, you know what? I'll have another one. Goes around the table. Every other speaker said, I'll have another one. Comes back to me. I gulped again. I go, I'll have another one. Right. So now we're at $120 and uh, I'm freaking out. So long story, long story long, and I'll cut it short, but Mike Kim ended up buying everybody's drinks that night. But what I, in the conversation that I had with Mike changed my perspective about business and the the superpower that I brought to what I was doing. And I made $22,000 in the next three weeks. And I never looked back. And I realized that showing up for yourself, When you get uncomfortable, make yourself a little bit more uncomfortable. And when your back's up against the wall, the answer is yes for yourself. And so those lessons that I learned in that moment got me out of my lane full time. Uh, Because if I didn't say yes to that speaking opportunity, I'd probably still be in the corporate world. That's just the reality.
0: Yeah. Holy crap. That is an awesome story. That is is an awesome story. I'm I'm like sitting here shaking, just thinking about being in that position for you. Oh, my Lord. I would have said, I think I would have had to say no. Um, It was terrible. Yeah, I'm sure. A couple things I wanted to touch on that you had said before, and then I'll touch on that story a little bit. Um, I think that one of the things that you mentioned that stood out to me was how in the first job that you had, you started speaking is maybe more instructional than motivational, but you kind of found this lane of like, oh, I kind of enjoy this. Like maybe it's not exactly how I want to be doing it, but this is something that I have some interest in and have a little bit of a passion behind. And I think that oftentimes people know they're in a job that maybe they don't want to do and they don't give it their best because of that. But oftentimes like if you give your best in the job that you're currently in, then you're going to, it might, reveal a passion or an interest that you can leverage later on so I think that's that's number one and then like around this around the same idea I think that if you're trying to choose another lane to go down another industry to go down another career to go down choose something that maybe you found interest or passion behind already like in in the previous lane that you were in rather than just kind of jumping off a cliff and not really sharing where you're going. And so I think that was really big. And then the last thing I know that one of the things that I has revealed some of my own passions and some of my own interests is exactly what you said when you were listening to a podcast in the thought of, I think I can do this better than this person. And I think that if we have that thought, when we're watching somebody do something, then to me, I feel like that might be a little bit of a hint of like hey you might be interested in in doing that this could be something that you could uh you could explore
1: yeah dude you have you have to try new things right like i still try new things and you know when i look at what i do i host my own live events i have a mastermind i've hosted retreats um and i'm always trying new things for instance when the world shut down I had to pivot and go virtual. Like I never thought I would do a virtual, unless the world shuts down again, I'll never do another virtual one again. Um, but you know, to pivot and change things and try new things, it's the only way you're going to find out what you love and what you don't love and what serves you and what doesn't serve you. Right. Yeah. Like I made a lot of money on my virtual events. I don't have any desire to ever do it again because it does, it didn't fulfill me in the way that I like to be fulfilled. Right. Which is like people in a room, feeling the energy, doing all that stuff. But you have to try it because honestly, like if I fell in love with it, I I would have continued to do it like it was something that I would would have done over and over and over again. But I think too, people are too afraid to try because they're so afraid of judgment. Um, you know, and when I started my podcast and you can go back and listen, the episodes are still there. The first, I think, 54 episodes I had a co-host. Uh, and the reason I had a co-host on my show was because I was afraid of judgment. And if it failed, it wasn't just me. It was both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think the reality was people always ask me, what are two things you would have done differently when you started podcasting? The first thing is I would have launched m- with more than one episode, but that's a technical like, here's how you should do it the right way. The second thing is I would have just done it on my own because the success wouldn't have happened you know, if my, my previous co-host, by the way, who was one of my groomsmen, we're still friends to this day. Um, you know, if he didn't take a step back, the show would have never taken off. And so it's really all about showing up for yourself, trying new things, um, and guess what? You're gonna fall on your face, and that's okay because you can get back up and you can try again. And I promise you, like when you do that, your super fans, the people who are cheering you on, they will show themselves to you. Uh, yeah. and, then, and then from there, from there, you'll find out how can I serve them even more.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. You say that the show wouldn't have taken off the way it did. If your co-host would have stayed on, why do you feel that
2: way?
1: Um, so because everything was was my intellectual property, but he was, his voice was muddying the water, right? So when we mm. understand marketing and branding, and you know how how do you grow a brand? Everything has to be clear and concise, so people would see the brand, they'd fall in love with it, they'd find us, and then they wouldn't stick around because they're like, I don't get it. Uh, and it was no fault of his own. Remember, I wanted to start the podcast to pick the brains of entrepreneurs, and it became about rock bottom moments and self love. And so really, it was my own fault. Um, but that his voice in where I was trying to take the show muddied the waters. Uh, and so when everything started to align, and my voice became clear, that's when people really started to latch on.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, no, it's awesome. I think that's so true. Like you said, if it's if things aren't clear and concise, and your branding and messaging is is muddied at all, then it's going to be Uh, difficult to to really resonate with a lot of people. We'll be back to the interview in just a second, but first I wanted to share some words from a participant of the 10-Week Transformation. At Best You, we started running the 10WT back in January of 2020 and have since had 313 people and counting go through it. They've seen their bodies get stronger than ever before. They've seen the stubborn fat finally come off and they've seen their habits dramatically improve. And honestly, more than anything, they've seen their self-confidence skyrocket. If you want to learn more about the 10-week transformation, then you can go to nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. That's nickcarrier.com slash the number 10WT. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but first, here's what they had to say.
2: Hi, um, so I completed Nick's 10-week Best You transformation, and I can't say enough about my experience, but I was looking for something to help me be more accountable and to just develop overall better habits and I wanted to make sure that I was getting that strength training in because I think that was one of my weak points was not consistently getting strength training. The groups, the people in the groups are all different shapes and sizes. I felt very comfortable right away. It's a very supportive environment. Nick is great at bringing you in, at kind of meeting you where you're at. The workouts are so thoughtful. He's so good at creating a balanced workout. So if you go two times a week or three times a week, you can be sure that you're getting, you know, you're working all of your muscle groups. I definitely got way stronger throughout that 30 weeks. I feel much stronger now than I did when I started. I feel more confident in my ability to execute on those exercises. And like I said, I I can't say enough. Nick is so good at what he does and I think it's, it's only getting better. So you are in excellent hands with him.
0: Now, a couple of things that you mentioned, you know, the fear of being judged before we were talking about how you have this high level mastermind and you had a a little bit of a limiting belief behind if I was ever going to be the type of person who could create something like this. And I'm sure you had maybe similar feelings and thoughts before you did some of your events as well. And so I know a lot of people out there have that feeling of. Like, I don't know if I can do this. I'm not sure if I'm the person who can run an event. I'm not sure if I can be the person who steps on stage. Like, what do you think it takes for somebody to overcome that? Is it dipping your toe in the water? Is it trying it a little bit and getting some more confidence once you try it? Like, What do you think gets people over the over the hump to do that thing that maybe they don't feel qualified for?
1: Yeah, you have to be super, super clear on what your purpose is in the world right? I want to impact a billion lives with my message to let people know that it doesn't matter where you come from. It matters the choices you make today to create a better tomorrow for yourself and for the world. And so I'm very, very clear on that. And I understand that if I do not step into that discomfort, I'm not living in my purpose. And there's Mm -hmm. people that I'm going to leave behind and there's people that are going to miss out. And there's people that um, aren't going to become the person they're meant to be, right? So one story I love sharing is when the show wasn't doing very well. The podcast when we launched was, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but 80% of podcasts do less than 100 downloads an episode, Um, which by the way, if you have 100 people showing up every single week, that's freaking amazing. Could you imagine a room full of 100 people every week showing up to hear you talk like what? It's unreal. But we were doing like 40, 50, 60 downloads an episode, and I didn't realize we were the norm. And I was like, what are we doing? Like, why am I even doing this podcast? Nobody's listening. Uh, And as I was thinking about shutting the show down within the first year, I got a message from somebody from Japan. And they said, because of your show, I decided not to take my life. And I realized in that moment that I will always show up no matter what I'm going to show up, no matter who's in the room, I'm going to show up. And um, I I take that with me to this day. And so every time I do the next thing, that's a little uncomfortable. It's because of the greater purpose that I'm trying to, to create here. Like the reality is every new thing that I do scares me. You mentioned the mastermind that I have, the skeleton key mastermind. Like it took me a long time to finally take that huge leap, but I realized that my impact had hit a plateau. And when your impact hits a plateau, you go, okay, well, what's what's next? It's usually that thing in the back of your head telling you you should do this. Um, And so far, a number of months into the mastermind, it's a a great success, and we're making a huge impact. And the people that are in the mastermind, their impact is going to grow exponentially, and it's going to be an incredible thing to watch. But dude, when I sit down with a big name for my podcast, I still get nervous. I still go like, who who am I, right? Every time I go plan the next event, I'm like, this is a huge risk. This is terrifying. Um, but I always go back to what is my purpose and is what I'm doing right now getting me closer or further away from that. Uh, and it makes it a lot easier when you're really, really clear on that purpose.
0: Mm, yeah, I love that. I mean, your purpose statement is so clear. And I think that if you always keep that top of mind, it it can get you to take action like nothing else. That's awesome. And then I think the point of The one per that one person from Japan reaching out to you, I think that's so powerful. I think oftentimes we only bring our best effort when the lights are on and everybody's watching. It's like, no, you got to show up and show out every single day, regardless of how many eyeballs are on you, whether that's one set of eyeballs or a hundred set of eyeballs or a thousand set of eyeballs. Like, you got to bring it because you never know what's going to come of it and and who you might be able to impact because of that. Now, one of the things I talked to you uh, a decent amount about in North Carolina that I want to continue to talk to you about a little bit Um, because I just think it's a fascinating family dynamic. So you just got married. Once again, congrats. Just had had your honeymoon. And you've been, you were dating this girl for a number of years and she already had kids and was married once before. And then you kind of came in to her life and already had these kids. You had never had kids before or anything like that. So I want you to talk to us a little bit about kind of your overall experience on how you've been able to step into a father role having never really had done it before. And I forget exactly how old the the, the kids are, but I know they're like maybe around 10, give or take, or at least somewhat older, not babies, if you will. And so how you've been able to kind of navigate that seemingly successfully. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if it's successful. I'll tell you. I'm- well, she married you. She married you. So it's at least somewhat successful.
1: Some Something's going right. Yeah. So the, the kids are 12 and 10. Um, so when yeah. I met them, they were, you know, when I met her, they were eight and six. Um, and so have been through a, a large portion of their life in, in a lot of ways. Like I just said to Lucy, I go, I'm a, I've almost known you half your life. And that's a crazy thing. to think. Lucy's the 10 year old. That's a crazy thing to think about. And so I think for me, a couple of things, and I want to kind of put this in context. I never thought that I would ever have a healthy relationship. Um, I often brought a lot of self-sabotage to my love relationships because I questioned my worth. Like I had abandonment issues and I always thought they would leave me, so why not make them leave me? Um, And so I ended up hiring a relationship coach who I mentioned earlier, who helped me a ton. And she had had me do this exercise where she said, write down everything you want in a woman. Uh, and so I wrote this list and uh, she goes, now, are you the man who deserves that woman? And I was like, "I'm, oh, no, not even close, not even close. And so I began the work to become the man that deserved that woman. And so I did that work. And by the time I met Lauren, she was not necessarily what I wanted from her life perspective, right? She was five years older than me. She had two kids. She lived 45 minutes away from me, um, but she was everything on the list. And I was not what she wanted. I was five years younger than her. I'd never been married. So I must've been a loser bachelor, like, you know, all these things. And so we met and we hit it off. And I was like, I guess, you know, I guess we're doing this thing. Um, And so stepping into the role of bonus dad has been um, difficult, uh, rewarding, uh, full of love, full of uh, abrasiveness at times um, and so for me, it's at this point in my life, I would say it's my greatest teacher. Mm. Um, and so I think the the way that I look at it from a standpoint of like my greatest teacher, uh, I think that's why it's become a success in a way um, to understand that I don't know it all. Um, I'm not the best at this, right? Most things I do, I'm the best at. I think going into a scenario with minimal expectations, right like I didn't I didn't expect to take over the role of dad. I didn't expect anything. Um, and we have just grown together as a unit and as a family and have figured it out along the way and and to this day you know four years later still trying to figure it out and I think um you know if you go into situations that you're uncertain of at times, if you go into it with a a, a sense of curiosity, I think you win every single time.
0: Yeah, well, and I think like you said, it was really big for you to not place, I think the, the lack of expectation was like, you're not going to put super high standards or super high expectations on yourself because you've never been through the situation before. So you're just going to like learn and be curious, like you said. So I think that that's a really good way to approach approach and navigate a situation like that to not have unrealistic expectations on yourself when you've never navigated a, an environment like that before. I think that's key. I think that's key. Um, would you I don't know if you if you usually share this, but your your the story of meeting her, I remember it being freaking amazing. Um back when you told me in in North Carolina. I don't would you mind sharing the story of meeting her? So yeah, man, it's it's crazy. So we met on Bumble, which is a dating app. Um, and it's
1: funny because she at the time was planning on moving across the country to Seattle. I live in Pennsylvania. Um and so a couple of months down the road she was moving. And I wasn't looking for anything serious because, um, you know, I was building a business. I was building an empire, right? Like that's where I wasn't in, in that moment of my life. And I was insanely busy. And so we matched on Bumble. We went on our first date. Uh, and, and the funny thing is, uh, we were supposed, I drove 45 minutes to go meet her in her hometown. We were supposed to meet up at this one bar that was closed for a private party. And I, I texted her and I said, Hey, you know, this bar is closed. Um, do you, where else do we go? Because it was her town, I didn't really know it. And she's like, I don't know, just pick a place. She's like, the babysitter just showed up. I'm trying to get the kids ready. Just pick a place. So I looked on a map and I said, this place looks cool. And I said, hey, meet me here. And she goes, sounds. It's a new place. Sounds great. I'd love to check it out. And I went and I'm sitting at the bar waiting for her, and she's not showing up. And it's on April Fool's Day, and we're both like, what's going on? And so she texted me and said, hey, where are you? I'm here. And I go, I'm sitting at the bar. And she goes, no, you're not. And I was like, yes, I am. And so So I took a picture of the beer list that was on the wall called Root Down. That's on the other side of town. Um, And I was like, well, I already ordered my beer. So why don't you just come here? Right. The gentlemanly thing to do on a first date. And she walked to the other side of town. And, you know, here we are four years later and she never moved to Seattle and we both still live in Pennsylvania. Uh, And so it was like this crazy thing of, again, zero expectations. Uh, and just going in as two people that are looking to, uh, to explore and meet new individuals and, and grow. Uh, and I think that's the beauty of, of our relationship, really.
0: Yeah. You know, the, the, now that you've said that a couple of times, the lack of expectations going in, I think that what that really is, is the curiosity thing. I think that you don't show up fearful. I think that you don't show up judgmental. I think that you don't feel like you should show up any particular way. You just kind of show up authentically. You're curious and you're asked questions, whether that's in starting your relationship with your now wife or whether that's going into the relationship with her kids. Like, I feel like in my eyes, when you have voiced now the lack of expectation has led to like these successful instances, to me, it's, because of, of those reasons. Do you feel like that you, you resonate with that? Do you feel like that's accurate?
1: Yeah, man, I, I do. I think, I think the death of people are our expectations of others and expectations of situations. Mm-hmm. The only thing you can have expectations for is yourself, right? How are you going to show up? What are you going to do to consistently grow? What are you going to do to learn from a situation? Um, when we let go of expectations of others and, and outside circumstances, life actually becomes a lot better, right? Like it becomes a lot less stressful. Uh, We're able to, um, you know, learn from situations. We're able to enjoy the moment versus thinking it's something else. Uh, And that's definitely a lesson that I took and I had to learn over time. I was not that person when I was younger. Um, I was very much like, here's my expectations. This is the way that it goes. And I'm not saying that doesn't pop up every once in a while, but, but you know, I try my best to have zero expectations and continuously pour into uh, the every single moment as it comes.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I think that's I think that's great. So, second to last question, I want to bring up because I think this was a really good topic that I liked when you talked about in Charlotte, and I think it's a very actionable takeaway for a lot of people because everybody hears about how important it is to surround themselves with the right people in their lives, and it's really important because you're the average of the f- top five people that you hang around, right? And you have this kind of framework of the five people that you need in your life, and so. I would love for you to kind of share a little bit of that framework with everybody.
1: So, yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. We all know the quote, you're the, sum of the five people you spend the most time with, right? Jim Rohn. It's the, one of the most famous quotes in the world. And the reason it's so famous is because it's true. Um, now, when I heard it, when I was 19 years old, I thought in that moment, I had to get rid of all my friends and go find five millionaires because what 19 year old doesn't want to be a millionaire. So I was like, great, let me go hang out with five millionaires. Uh, and so very, very quickly, I realized that that's just not reality. Right. And so I literally took that quote and threw it away. And I was like, that's the dumbest quote I ever heard. It's not even realistic. Like that's so stupid. And so fast forward, uh, you know, past a lot of the success I've created, the businesses I've built, the podcast, all these things. And I, I revisited that quote and I looked back and I said, well, who are my five people? Like if this is so true, who are my five people? And I realized through every single up and down of my life. I had five particular roles of people in my life. Now they've evolved over time and the people are interchangeable, um, but I realized there were five specific roles being filled in my life at any given time. And so I'm very, very intentional about these five people now. The first person is your cheerleader. So this is the person that feels like you can run through a brick wall, right? Like the person who literally cheers you on. you call them, you go, I think I have a million dollar idea. And you tell them about it. And at the end of the call, they go, that's a billion dollar idea, right? They're, They're your hype team. The second person is uh, the bruiser. So this is the person who questions your thoughts and says, is that the right thing? Challenges you in your actions, challenges you in the things that you're doing to make sure you're in a line. Uh, I always want to be clear with this one. This is not an abuser. It's a bruiser. Uh, so they're coming from a place of love. They want you to be successful. They they have nothing but the best intentions. Um, a lot of times it's just their personality trait to be a little bit more rough. Third person is the softy. This is the person that is a shoulder to cry on. Somebody you can go to when things aren't going the way you expect them to be going. Um, that allows you to feel your feelings, but then also helps you get back up, right? They're not gonna enable you to stay in that rock bottom. They're gonna uh, they're gonna hear you, they're gonna listen, and they're gonna help you dust yourself off. The fourth person is a mentor. Now I look at mentor a little bit differently. Um, I don't look at like a mentor like, oh, let me go find the best podcaster and have them mentor me or whatever. A mentor to me is somebody who, has an innate some it's something innate in them that you want in yourself. So mine's a guy named Fabio Viviani. Uh, you might know him from the show Top Chef. He owns restaurants from all over the all over the world. You know, they're, I think they're going to do something like three hundred million dollars in business this year. So two things: one, I have zero desire to be ever work in a restaurant. Number two, I don't need three hundred million dollars a year. Like that's insanity. Um, but he is the big has the biggest heart and gives more than anybody I've ever seen in my life. And so I want to sure. give more than I already give now. Uh, and so i he's my mentor. How do I become more of a giver? How do I become more selfless uh, in those moments? And then the fifth person uh, is a coach. I believe at any given time, you should have a financial investment in your future. Uh, and I've already mentioned I've had coaches, spiritual relationship, of health. I've had um you know business coaches. And so I always say at least where you need the most help in in this very given moment, you should have a coach in that sector of your life, you should always have a financial investment. And I realized that if you have those five people, life becomes a heck of a lot easier. Those, Mm -hmm. those moments where you fail, uh, you don't stay there very long uh, because you've got a great team of people around you. Um, You know, in the, when you win, the celebrations are that much greater because you feel like you're winning for everybody. Um, And so it just makes it a lot easier to make sure you have like this council of people uh, that are, uh, that are helping you become the person you're meant to be. Mm. Yeah, that's good. There's,
0: I think those roles is such a well-rounded role, right? It's like when you're trying something new, you're going to have somebody who's both pushing you along but also making sure that you're stepping somewhat carefully and you, you're you intentional and you, you've thought things out. And then you have somebody who's kind of like providing a little bit of guidance. You have somebody who is like providing specific kind of steps with a coach as to like what what you can do to grow and improve that particular area of your life. You guys need to make sure you write those those five down, cheerleader, bruiser, softy, mentor, and coach, and kind of take a look at your life and, and evaluate, is there one that's missing right now? Uh, and if so, what do I need to do to make sure that I I fulfill that? But anyways, Justin, before I ask the last question, man, I just want to acknowledge you. Um, uh, one, just kind of like I did at the beginning, you were awesome to meet uh, in Charlotte a month ago now or so, and you were made me feel welcome. You had the heart that you are seeking out that from your mentor. You know, You said he has the biggest heart, and that's what I felt from you, both when I met you and from you on stage, and one of the things that I love about speakers is when they speak on stage. It sounds very similar to when they speak off stage because that to me just shows their level of authenticity and and really confidence in who they are. And I know that's been a lot of work for you over the years, but you've come such a long way. Not that I saw you before, but I can tell that you've come a long way from the different stories that you've shared and such. And so just want to acknowledge you for all the work that you've done on yourself and all the work that you continue to do to help other people become the people that they were meant to be.
1: Thanks, man. That means a lot. Yeah. You know, I, I, like I said before, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoyed meeting you, uh, you know, at the conference and, um, next time you should be on the stage and sharing your message. And, you know, the reality is, um, I don't know how to be anybody else. And it blows my mind when you see a person or, you know, they always say, never meet your heroes. Uh, and I've had that instance in my life where I was like, I wish I didn't meet that person. Mm Um, and I, I, it's it's not intentional. It's just who I am. But I love when people say you're exactly who you know is the person on your podcast or whatever. Uh, and I'm glad that I can be that person and be totally transparent. Um, but again, I think it's just the reality. I can't be I can't be anybody else for good or bad. I can't be anybody else.
0: No, I think that's one of the be- best lessons that anybody can hear, and that's one of the reasons why it's called Best You. It's not like there's the same best version of yourself that everybody is going after. It's like everybody's going down their own lane and going down their own path. And so that kind of brings me right. Uh, Before the last question, though, I want to make sure everybody goes and learns more about you and supports you because I know they absolutely loved hearing your story, your journey, the different things that you share. So, you guys make sure you go follow him on Instagram at Justin T. Shank, And that last name is S C H E N C K. And then you need to go make sure that you follow him on his website and his podcast, growthnowmovement.com. Uh, and the Growth Now Movement podcast is it Growth Now Movement podcast or Growth Now Podcast? I want to make sure I don't say that wrong. Growth Now Movement. If
1: they search that, it'll
0: pop up. Great. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. You guys need to make sure you go check that out because he has some of the top podcast podcast podcasts. Uh, interviews in the entire world and, 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 guests in the entire world. So go check that out. And last thing here, Justin is I think getting closer to the best version of yourself is a constant journey. And then as we've kind of just shared, it's a unique journey. Everybody kind of goes about it their own way. So this last question is for you personally. And it's, if there are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get closer to the best version of Justin Shank that you could possibly be, then what are the three things that you could currently do or currently work on?
1: Yeah, dude, great question. Um, uh, so in complete transparency, as I tend to do, uh, number one is my patience level. My patience level needs to grow exponentially, not only for individuals around me who may rub me the wrong way, but also for me and my, my trajectory and where I want to go. Um, I'm my toughest critic. I mentioned those five people. I'm the bruiser. And, and you tend, when you're a bruiser, you tend to be a bruiser to yourself. Uh, and so number one is, is patience. Um, number two is my physical ability to, uh, be better physically, right. Um, to be able to push myself in those areas. Like right now I've got a, I've got an injured foot and I should go to a doctor, but I refuse to. So I'm hobbling around, but you know, the physical health is something that I need to dial back in. Um, as you're building business, it's something that you let slip and I need to make that more of a priority as I'm building business. Uh, and then number three, the thing that I need to work on to be a better me, is to be easier on myself. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know that kind of falls in line with the whole patience thing, but it's just being easier on myself in many, many ways. Again, I'm I'm my toughest critic and sometimes that inner voice beats you down when you're that person. Um, and so that's why I hold my cheerleader near and dear to my heart. Uh, but for me, it's uh, to be easier on myself in times of struggle um, and uh, and let myself enjoy the small victories a little bit more. That's awesome, man.
0: That's awesome. Well, those three, those three things were great and yeah man it's been great I know I've only known you about a month but it feels like I've known you longer I feel like um your heart is truly there to care for other people and to serve other people and it's so apparent by the way that you show up and the way that you speak to other people off stage and when you speak on stage so I really appreciate it y'all make sure you go follow him at Justin T shank make sure you go listen to the growth now movement other than that Justin that's all we got today bro appreciate you thanks brother What an episode with Justin. It was so fun getting the chance to connect with Justin further and to learn more about his story and how he's gotten to where he is today. Remember to join me for a free 20-minute workout over on Instagram Live by signing up at nickcarrier.com slash Instagram Live. And remember to stay tuned to The Best You Podcast and get ready for our big announcement on June 26th. If you want to work out with me but you don't live in Nashville, you won't want to miss out on this. And remember, love yourself. Find a way to pour into yourself first. I know everyone who listens to the Best You podcast is servant-hearted. You wanna help others and you feel selfish if you're giving time to yourself, but I promise you it's the most selfless thing that you can do. That is to give time to yourself and serve you first. And I love Justin's story about how he took interest in speaking from his past job and he brought that interest into his new job and his new career. I think that's such an important lesson for everyone is You can find an aspect of what you're currently doing now that you are passionate about and find a way to leverage that in a new lane or a new industry. I hope more than anything this episode encourages you that you can become the person you were meant to become. It's never too late. If you think you're unqualified, you're wrong. The thing that qualifies you is the thing that you feel like unqualifies you. It's your story. It's the things that you've been through. It's those things that give you the ability to help and inspire somebody who's been through something similar. So go out there and love yourself, try new things and surround yourself with the right people so that you can continue to get closer and closer to your best you.